0: All right. Revelation chapter eight. But let me remind you of the first verse of the first chapter, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and so that's what we're doing we're blessing is you know the book of revelation is the only book of the bible that promises blessing if we listen to what he's saying and orient to it and what we are seeing what we saw in daniel what we're seeing here in in uh, the book of Revelation. By the way, next Sunday morning we will be in Matthew 24 and 5, starting the Olivet Discourse of our Lord Jesus Christ, which tracks with material uh, we're going to be we have been looking at in Revelation. So that's prophetic material uh, next Sunday morning. But what we have seen so far is that there are three series of judgments there's the seal judgments which actually govern the entire seven-year tribulation the seven-year tribulation 2520 days cut right in half 1260 days for the first half 1260 for the second half the second half is called the great tribulation we are still in the first half but as we saw the 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 uh, seal judgments, two of the seal judgments will be fulfilled towards the close of the seven years. The seals are opened in chapter six, but they won't be enacted. And that is, is going to be disclosed to us when we get to that part of the narrative. Chapter eight is the beginning of the trumpet judgments. So you've got the seals, which is the scroll being opened, the seals being broken which starts the whole process. Then you've got the trumpet judgments. And trumpets one through six all happen in the first half of the tribulation. And as we will see, when the seventh trumpet sounds, that initiates the great tribulation, the second three and a half years. We're going to see that stated very, very plainly and clearly later. But we're going to be looking at these uh See how far we get tonight. We're going to be looking at these seven trumpet judgments. And these are taking place the first six in the first three and a half years. Now, something else I want to remind you of when we get to chapter 11, John is going chapters 10 and 11. John is drawn down from heaven to earth. And we're going to see what's happening on earth up to this point. What we have been seeing is John is saying, I, I, heard, I saw these, an, these angels doing this. I saw, these an, I saw these four living creatures doing this. But in chapters 10 and 11, where he's going to be on earth, and we will be finding out then that these events that have unfolded, how does the earth know? How do the people on the planet know that these disasters that are taking place have anything to do with God? Because there are, as we're going to see in chapter 11, there are two witnesses in the temple in Jerusalem, Elijah and Moses, who are calling these judgments down on the earth. So the human race has no excuse. They can't just say, oh, well, this is just an unfortunate event. No, they are calling the plagues down. They're calling the torments down on the earth, on the human race. And so this begins with uh, chapter 8 and verse 1 when he, Jesus, opened the seventh seal. So this is the last of the seals being opened. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And last week, as we looked at the comparison in the book of Joshua between what we find in Revelation and in the book of Joshua with the event of Jericho, The people walked around Jericho in silence for six days. And then on the seventh day, they walked around it in silence seven times until at the end of the seventh trip around Jericho, they shouted with a great shout and the walls fell down. There's silence in heaven for half an hour. Their parade around Jericho every day was led by seven priests blowing seven horns, seven ram's horns, seven trumpets. And I saw seven angels who stand before God, priestly, because they stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel. So he's just seeing these, trump- these seven angels standing there with the seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood by the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. In the same way that there was an altar of burnt incense in the tabernacle and later the temple, what was found in the tabernacle erected by Moses and later when Solomon built the temple, that was a scale model of what was the heavenly reality. John is actually seeing the real thing here in heaven. again verse three then another angel having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne this is the altar of burnt incense and every morning they would cover that altar with hot red hot coals and dump incense on it and there would be this massive cloud rising to heaven that depicted the prayers of god's people rising As a a wonderful aroma before God. And it's as if we are to picture God. Well, you know, we get kind of the picture of this uh, out at the Ottawa house when they're standing over the grill going. (sighs) But God is, that's ribs (laughs) and then brisket. This is incense, and God is hovering over this altar of burned (sighs) incense. But what is it that is really refreshing him is that the prayers of the people out in the outer court, the people are out there as the sun is rising praying to God. And so that cloud of incense portrays the invisible fragrance and wonder of the prayers rising into the presence of God. Again, verse 4, "...and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints." Ascend it before God from the angel's hand. He's got this burning incense in this censer that he's waving before God. Then the angel took the censer, verse 5, filled it with fire from the altar, which isn't typical. I mean, they put a coal in there and then the incense. He's filling that whole censer with coal and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake, a great shaking. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. God is angry. This angel is angry. And remember, the fifth seal, which will ultimately be fulfilled towards the close of the seven-year tribulation, is the prayers of the saints crying out from under this altar. Saying, O Lord, the martyred saints, O Lord, how long, holy and true, before you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth, on our murderers. And so we're seeing the inception of the answer to that prayer. It will be fulfilled in its fullness later. Verse 7. Excuse me, verse 6. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, meaning this is going to be the outcome. And they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. Now something that, I mentioned earlier in the beginning of chapter 7. Chapter 7 has four angels who stop the winds. And I pointed out at that time, what's the significance of stopping the winds? Well, if you stop the winds, you've stopped the rain. And when we get to chapter 11, we're going to find out that the two witnesses, during the time of their three and a half year prophetic ministry, there will be no rain on the earth, period. In the same way that when Elijah stood before the throne of Ahab, the king of Israel, he said, it will not rain again until I say so. And then he disappeared for three and a half years and there was no rain on Israel. Well, in this case, there will be no rain on the earth. The, wind, the angels will stop the winds. That means the storms, yes, you still have evaporation you still have storms but they stay over the bodies of water it's the jet stream winds that push the storms over the land and so how is it that all the grass burns up well you're going to have a prairie fire covering the earth and a third of the trees will burn up and how will those the expression that's found in the book of revelation over and over and over how will those who dwell on the earth know that this is a judgment from god because the two witnesses are in the temple calling this down before it happens as i mentioned earlier for on day one of the seven-year tribulation four things happen number one we know this from the book of daniel the beast, also called the Antichrist, also called the man of sin, he is going to sign a seven-year mutual security pact with Israel. And Israel is going to think he's the wonderful, wonderful guy. And the second thing that's going to happen is the winds will be stopped. Third thing this happens is 144,000, 12,000, this is also Revelation 7, 144,000, 12,000 each of the 12 tribes of Israel will be marked on their foreheads. And the, f- and the fourth thing that happens is the two witnesses show up in the temple. All those things happen on day one. Now, you stop the winds. Well, there's no immediate effect, but there's an eventual effect because everything becomes like a tinderbox. And what happens? All the grass burns up. Biggest wildfire and grass fire in human history. And a third of the, wi- of the trees burn up think about the problem just recently they had just in california (laughs) the massive problem. that's going to be world wide as we're going to see all a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up verse 8 then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire it was thrown into the sea this meteorite comes down from outer space and is thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood okay one of those two witnesses that I've suggested we know Elijah positively is going to be one of the two witnesses because it says so in Malachi towards the close of Malachi and of course Elijah and Moses appeared before with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration Moses' body was also caught up to heaven after his death. What was the first of the ten plagues in Egypt? What was the first plague? The Nile River being turned to blood. And then Moses and Aaron going throughout Egypt and making sure that every little pond is also turned to blood. (laughs) And what happens here? The seas are struck. And a third of the sea, a third of the seas become blood. My guess is this is the Black Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and the North and South Atlantic. That would be approximately one-third of the seas on the planet. Verse 9, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So this is a massive upheaval of the sea when it's struck by this meteorite. that would what would be make the sense to me yeah this massive meteorite or comet striking or asteroid coming down well an asteroid is going around the earth right now there's a belt of asteroids and they pretty much are stable but we got meteorites flashing by i mean i'm i'm not going to say it's not all i know is it's called a burning mountain um but verse 10 then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. By the way, in the Hebrew Scriptures, angels are, are referred to in the entire Old Testament. If you see the term sons of God, that always means angels. It doesn't mean human beings. This is a star fallen from heaven, Burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. Now, let me give you a foretaste of what's coming. When we get into the final series of judgments, the bowl judgments, the second bowl judgment is turning all of the oceans to blood, all of the seas and oceans. And the third bowl judgment will be turning all the rivers and springs of water to blood and it will be attributed to the action of an angel well I would suggest to you that's the same thing as here when it's called a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch that this likewise is an angel and it fell otherwise because you've got it striking a third of this of the stream of the springs of water and rivers and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water The name of the star is Wormwood. This this star has an actual name. Its name is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, meaning poison. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter, poisonous. Verse 12, then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. What, I'm suggest, what I would suggest is that actually probably the smoke from all that burning of the grass and a third of the trees will so fill the atmosphere with pollution, with, this, with the smoke and all the debris, that it'll cut down by one-third the amount of light that's able to get through our atmosphere to the earth. Now, that's a, my suggestion. I'm not going to say, thus said the Lord, but that makes sense to me. By the way, when we get to the bowl judgments, that is also going to be a sun judgment, except it's going to be the opposite of this one. It's the the sun's energy is going to be cranked up and everybody on the planet is going to be looking for shade. (laughs) It's going to be super hot on the earth. So the bowl judgments track with the trumpet judgments. The second and third trumpet judgments are... Water turning to blood, and so also with the bowl judgments. Except in both cases, it will be the second bowl judgment is all of the seas turning to blood, and the third bowl judgment is all of the rivers and streams, tur- streams turning to blood. And here we've got the fourth trumpet, is diminishing of the suns, and all the moon and the stars, the the light from them. Verse thirteen. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. And what's he saying here? He's saying, folks, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now the judgments are really going to be cranked up. chapter 9 verse 1 then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth to him notice a star to him (laughs) a star was fallen from heaven to the earth to him was given the key to the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And that may also be part of that fourth trumpet judgment when the, when the lights are diminished. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth and to them were, was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Well, you go back to the judgments on Egypt. Another one of the major Plagues on Egypt was what? The locusts. They came through and stripped all the vegetation off of the trees and the vines. Every I mean Egypt, the most productive agriculturally, the most productive nation anybody knew about was stripped bare by the plague of locusts. Well, this is another plague of locusts, except they're not at all the same kind of locusts. We've gone from minor league Egypt to major league. Out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. (whistles) Whoa, whoa, wait, scorpions. These are not regular old locusts like we're used to. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth nor any green thing nor any tree. Oh, these locusts are different. They're not going to be unleashed on the vegetation. No, they're going to be unleashed on the human race. But only they are to to harm those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. If you've got the seal of God on your foreheads, if you're one of those 144,000, you're in the clear. I don't know. You'll have to ask Jesus when you get to heaven and ask him it specifies the 144,000. Now, one of the things to remember, why are these 144,000 singled out? Why they're mentioned there and they're described there in chapter 7 and they're going to be mentioned again in chapter 14 as surrounding Jesus in Jerusalem for the team victory picture. My suggestion, I've made this suggestion earlier last week when we were in chapter 7. My suggestion is that these 144,000 are 144,000 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. No matter, remember they're the ones thrown in the fiery furnace. <laughs> no matter what happens, they can't be killed. They go and go and they are preaching gospel, preaching gospel, preaching the gospel, and they cannot be stopped. And there they are in chapter 14 in, with Jesus in j- earthly Jerusalem. For the victory team victory picture and they cannot be afflicted well how would you like it to be one of the regular old dwellers on the earth and you're being afflicted with these locusts like with scorpions things and here this guy's walking around absolutely not threatened by this one bit and what's that a testimony of that's a testimony of the fact that they are guarded by god what afflicts you cannot afflict them they are guarded by god And what does that tell you about their message? Their message is true. It's an authenticator by God. Oh, yeah. Yes, we're going to get... They, on day one of the tribulation... They are marked out by God. They are set apart by God. Twelve, And it, they're all listed in chapter 7. This 12 tribes are listed and it says 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. And it adds up 12 times 12,000 is 144,000. And they are marked out. They're marked on their foreheads. They're set apart by God for special protection and special usefulness. While this world is being hammered, they're going all over the place with the gospel message and they cannot be harmed. And here they are these locusts that are tormenting everyone can't touch them. Again the close of verse 4 but oh, uh, well I'll read all of verse 4. They were they the locusts were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree which is standard locust job description. Instead, they're doing something entirely different, but only those men who, had, uh, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They are commanded to attack everyone but them. And they were not given authority to kill them, meaning the rest of the human race, but to torment them for five months. Five months of unending torment by these scorpion-stinging locusts. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death. How bad will it be? It will be so bad, but the people will wish to die. They will seek death and will not find it. They can't even successfully engineer their own death. God's saying, no, no, uh uh-uh, I'm not done tormenting you and de- they will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle, On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth was, were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. So there's a lot of noise. The appearance of these is unlike any locusts we've ever encountered. Verse 9, And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, And there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. Whose name in Hebrew was Abaddon. But in Greek his name is Apollyon. That's just in the margin of your Bible. You may have literally uh, uh, Abaddon means is from Aramaic meaning destruction and uh, Apollyon is the Greek word equivalent word meaning destroyer and so there's going to be five months of torment for those to use the book of Revelation expression those who dwell on the earth those who are in rebellion against God that may be we may we're going to find out a lot of stu- stuff when we step into the presence of god that's true i hadn't even i had never thought about that but that's true the angel who went through that's right so this may be the same one well oh yeah he is he's sent from god to torment that These people who are in open rebellion against God and it's unending for five months and it is so bad they wish to die, but God won't let them die. And so they're totally not in charge of their experience. They're being tormented for these five months and then it ceases. Verse 13, Then the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. What had they wished for when being tormented by these locusts? For death now god gives them what they asked for and i have counseled people this way and i counsel myself be very 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 careful what you ask god for because sometimes the worst curse you can put on yourself is his answering your prayer as you asked it and it doesn't work out the way you planned again verse 13 then the sixth angel sounded And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. A third of mankind will be killed as a result of the sounding of the sixth trumpet. They will get their wish. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Yes. I do not know, Jenny. And the four, four angels who are bound are released. And these four angels are released to kill a third of mankind. And what's the method that they use? They raise up this army. Well, I'm just going to make an observation. I'm just going to repeat a 50-year-old observation. Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, did point out 50 years ago the size of the Chinese army with all of their militia and everything just happens to be 200 million. And it's interesting, as we go on, we're going to see a description of these creatures. And it's going to really, it reminds me very much, have you ever seen the stuff when Chinese New Year comes and they've got this dragon with a lion-like face that's you know, spewing smoke and all this stuff and the fireworks that are going off? This looks, the description we find here in Revelation, this guy who's sitting on an island just off the coast of Turkey, <laughs> except that he's now in heaven. This looks, this sounds a whole lot like, or appears, the appearance is a whole lot like that dragon-like creature that the Chinese parade through on Chinese New Year. Just, that's an observation. That is not a thus saith the Lord. I have no idea if this has anything to do with China or not, but those are just observations. Again, verse 16, now the number of the army of horse, the horsemen was two hundred million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had pre- breastplate, plates of fiery red, of hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came red, fire, blue smoke and brimstone brimstone is just an old-fashioned word for sulfur it's called brimstone because if you want a a a place to really be sure that you're very very likely to find sulfur is on the brim of a volcano and so that's where sulfur came to get that other name a brimstone because that was a likely place to find it if you were looking for sulfur and by the way you want to make gunpowder you need sulfur and who invented gunpowder, by the way? The Chinese. Just, just an observation. Just an observation. By Verse 18, By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. And their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. They're being judged with a judgment that is being declared to them to be from God. What won't they do? They won't repent. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They are worshiping dead gods and the demons that animate them. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. It didn't matter. Let me remind you of Paul's statement in Romans chapter 1. The human race is condemned because what may be known of God is manifest to them. In Romans 1, Paul says the whole creation is shouting the reality of the godhood of our God. His creative power, His goodness. But they suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest to them. Why do they suppress that truth? Not because they don't grasp it intellectually. But because of their immorality, they don't want to turn away from their wickedness. And they pretend, they, they dance around pretending to be intellectual wonders. In fact, they're nothing but wicked people who are justifying their wickedness and they don't want to turn away from it. And so even when you've got 144,000 witnesses saying this is all from God, you've got the two witnesses in the temple in Jerusalem who have called this down, Ahead of time, they refuse to repent. And they did not repent of their murders and their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Let I me mean, repeat another 50 year old observation, and it has been about 50 years since Al Lindsay published Late Great Planet Earth. He made the point hmm, this sure sounds like helicopters to me. <laughs> well, I think that's an accurate observation but what about these little drone things that we've got flying all over the place you can go out and buy one yourself and fly it around your own house if you want to and they're using the police are using our military is using them these drones and they are and they can be lethal. And they are now becoming a part of the equipment of our military, and the mili- and equipment for other militaries around the earth. Just an observation. Killing, ma- they are killing machines. Two hundred million of them. Well, I agree. I'm just, I'm just. Oh well, the locusts or the yeah, either one, right. I mean, I'm just, I'm just making an observation. I'm, please, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but I'm just, oh, isn't that... In- and that's a 50-year-old, not about 1968, is when Hal Lindsey's book, Lake Ray, Planet Earth, came out. And that was his observation then about the Chinese military and also, hmm, helicopters. Because they're flying around and afflicting. Any questions before we go any further? Okay, we have completed six of the seven trumpets. Numbers five and six are the first two are the two trumpets, are two of the trumpets that have a woe attached to meaning the the depth of the height of the judgment is really intensified. Now we're going to take a, a pause in the narrative. Because in chapter 10. John is brought down from heaven to the earth because he's going to be, and the Lord is going to set the stage with him for, okay, how is it in chapters 10 and 11? Remember, chapter breaks are not inspired. (laughs) Chapters 10 and 11 are an explanation to John of what's happening. This is going to be disclosed to John. What's happening on the earth so that those who dwell on the earth can rightly understand that these are judgments from God. They're not just horrible happenings that are just happening. No, they are because they're being called down on them by these two men in the temple. And chapter 10 brings John back from heaven, brings him down to the earth. Notice chapter 10, verse 1. I saw still... Another mighty angel notice how he expresses this coming down from heaven. Now he's talked about angels coming down to the Euphrates and this and as they're doing and I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head and his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. Everything about this description is reflective of our Lord Jesus Christ except that it is specifically stated to be an angel but it's very very reflective of our lord himself but remember all of these actions that are taking place who is it that's doing it ultimately is jesus jesus is the one who has opened the seals jesus is the one who's bringing in the kingdom remember what he says in matthew 28 as he sends the apostles out on their ministry, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He, the Lamb, chapter 5, steps forward and takes the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne. He has been given the authority to initiate the process that will eventuate in the eternal kingdom led by him. verse 2 incredible description there in first one of this angel verse 2 he had a little book open in his right hand and he set his right hand on the sea and his left foot on the land in the prophetic literature the seas are often used to depict the gentile nations and the land is used to depict israel you will remember that in daniel Seven, uh, where you've got the beasts rising up, they came up out of the sea, and so it is. He puts his foot on the sea, and his right foot on the sea, his left foot on the land, meaning he is the Lord of all. He's in charge of both on of the entire planet. He set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. One of Jesus' names is the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Well, this is not just noise. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. When I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. They were actually speaking words. And John is told, don't you write that down. (laughs) Don't you write that down. Do not write them. Verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his right hand to heaven. This is an oath and swore by him who lives forever and ever by God is by God himself who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are, that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it that they should that there should be delay no hope longer one of the things we pointed out when we were in uh revelation 4 was john is caught up into into the throne room of god at the close of that chapter it's the the i think it's the four living creatures cry out you are the creator of all things if he is the creator that means he has the right to do what he pleases with his creation. Now, as the 24 elders felt, felt, fall down before him who is on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, O Lord, you, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. He has the absolute authority over his creation he's the creator of it he doesn't have to answer to anybody about how he handles his creation we can be so thankful that this God who is so unrestrained as Nebuchadnezzar says in the book of Daniel he is the God whose hand cannot be restrained that he is also good and loving and kind Verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets, The final element, the final issues that need to be addressed and resolved will be addressed and resolved and spoken of by the Hebrew prophets. And even by, as we will see in the next two couple of Sundays on Sunday morning, in the Olivet Discourse by our Lord Jesus himself. Verse 8, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me, John, again and said, Go, take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. By the way, this is a repetition. If you go to the book of Jeremiah and you may find this in the cross references in your Bible, Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah also eats a book. Why? To energize him. Jeremiah's ministry was extremely difficult. Jeremiah would end up being kidnapped and taken off to to Alexandria, Egypt, where he'd be murdered. John needs more energy. Can you imagine being the Apostle John? You've been in heaven, (laughs) you've been watching all this, you've run out of energy. So he's being given this little book, and he's told by the angel, take and eat this. Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was bitter. I'm going to, as I continue this prophecy, I'm going to be writing many, many, many things that are sweet, that are blessed, that are wonderful. There will also be many things that will be difficult and bitter. And he, the angel, said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Then I, John, was given a reed like a measuring rod. Now, this is a reed such as you would pull out of the Nile River or some river in the ancient world. If you really wanted to have a straight edge that you could use when measuring blocks of stone or anything else, even just to draw something on a piece of papyrus, you would go down to the river and you yank a reed out of the water because they were super straight. And they were actually used for measuring. Not only because they were a straight edge, but then you would measure them and you would measure things out using these reeds pulled out of the river. I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, which is three and a half years, which is 1260 days. Remember, this is a lunar calendar, 360-day years. They will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. But you are measuring out the temple, the court, You're going to measure the temple, the altar, and those who worship there. Now, if somebody comes knocking on your door and, and you open the door and he's standing there with tape measure, well, I'm here to measure the inside of your living room and you're done. Uh, what? Who invited you? When John exercises this task, He's doing it at the invitation of God and it means that God has retained the lordship of the temple precinct and the altar and the worshipers. Meaning there will be a divine protection on that part of Jerusalem where the temple is. There will be a divine protection on those who go there to authentically worship. But the rest of Jerusalem will be given over to the Gentiles, meaning, and what's, what do we know will take place on day one of the tribulation? We know that Israel will sign a mutual security pact with this fellow called the Beast or the Antichrist. And they're going to think he's wonderful. Except, and they, they give him the run of the city, they give him authority, they give him, you no. Know, he's our ally. We love this guy. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yay! He has signed a mutual security pact with us against our enemies. And he's going to have the run of the city except the temple precincts. And that's where these two witnesses are going to be. Again, verse 2, but leave out the court which is outside the temple. Measure the temple the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside the temple. By the way, the outer court in the temple is called the court of the Gentiles. If you were a Gentile in the times of ancient Israel and you came to worship the God of Abraham, you couldn't go any further than the court of the Gentiles. You couldn't go into the holy place where a Jewish male could go and watch the, the priests do their work. No, you were restricted to the court of the Gentiles. And they, the Gentiles, will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, three and a half years, 1260 days. And I will give power to my two witnesses. Now, this is the first mention of these two fellows. I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1260 days. Well, that's 42 months. That's three and a half years clothed in sackcloth you put on sackcloth when you are in repentance in the ancient world when the enemy came into your because of your rebellion against god if god allowed a foreign power to come into israel and they plundered they would plunder your barns they would empty take all the food out and they would steal your wardrobe. Clothing was all handmade, was all very very valuable. And so the f- soldiers would charge into your house and empty your closets. <laughs> they would take your food, they'd take your clothing. And so what do you have left to dress in? Potato sacks, sackcloth. So that's why fasting, sackcloth and ashes was the standard if you were in repentance. Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes on your face. Why? Because you've had so many relatives get killed that you're in mourning and putting ashes on your face was a way of expressing your mourning. Well, these fellows are dressed in sackcloth. Why? Because they're trying to lead Israel and the rest of the world, but principally Israel, into repentance. Follow our lead. Verse 4 these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, this is reflective of in the, in the book of Zechariah. You have Ezra and Zerubbabel. Ezra was a priest. Zerubbabel was the man who led the people back, was allowed to lead the people back, the uh, the Persians allowed the Israelis to return to the land. They were led by Zerubbabel and Ezra. And they are depicted in the book of Zechariah likewise as being two lampstands that are being fed by olive trees. In other words, the supply olive oil is used as an emblem for the Holy Spirit. They have the enrichment of the Holy Spirit in them. Well, this is replicated in these two witnesses. By the way, Moses was he did not exercise the the he he hived off his priestly responsibility to Aaron under God's orders. But he was a Levite. Just as Ezra was and Zerubbabel was the leader. And so you've got here you've got these two witnesses, Elijah, Moses, dressed in sackcloth. And they have they are the like the two like two seven seven-branched lampstands as they had in the temple they are brilliant light with a they're they're not attached you they don't have to have olive oil supplied to them every day no they, they're attached to olive trees they've got an unending undiminished supply of the power and presence of the holy spirit in them as they do their work These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Now, it may be that like a, a dragon, they would have fire flying out of their mouth. My suggestion, suggestion is... In the same way that Jesus in Revelation 19 is depicted as riding out of heaven on a white horse as having a sword coming out of his mouth. What does that mean? It means his weapon is his word. His weapon is his word. In the same way... I'm trying to remember it was Elijah or Elisha in the Old Testament when some young, some boys came up to him and started mocking him. Oh, you bald guy. Oh, you bald head. Started mocking God's prophet. He called fire down from heaven and consumed his mockers. So what I'm going to suggest to you is that in fact, they will speak a word and fire will fall from heaven and consume whoever it is that is threatening them. And for three and a half years. Are they going to be threatened? You bet. Why? Because they're calling these plagues down from above. Verse 5, again. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemy. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven. Well, what did we see in chapter 7? Four angels stopping. The four winds which stops the rain these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy for the three and a half years the 1260 days of their prophetic ministry no rain and they have power so that there is no rain falls in the days of their prophecy why is it that when that first trumpet sounded everything just exploded in fire because it hadn't rained these have power to shut heaven so that no rains no rain falls in the days of their prophecy and they have power over waters to turn them to blood that's the second and third trumpets and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. All of the the locust plagues releasing the 200 million whatever's to kill a third of the human race. They're calling these things down. Verse 7, When they finish their testimony... The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. This is the first mention of him boldly in the book of Revelation. My suggestion is that that first seal, that white horse rider to whom is given a kingdom. I would suggest to you, based on what we saw in the book of Daniel, that there's going to be this seven year mutual security pact that the beast makes with Israel. That he's going to be this beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. He will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. At the end of their three and a half years, or very close to the end of it, he will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Or also our Lord was crucified. So there's no doubt what this city is. It's Jerusalem. But what is the spiritual nature of Jerusalem? It is like Sodom. It is like Egypt. At the time of its plagues. Where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. Will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. They are going to be rejoicing. No, you can't bury them. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. And there's that key expression, those who dwell on the earth. These are those who are completely unrepentant. Those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them make merry and send gifts to one another. This is going to be party time because these two men who had called down all these plagues are dead. And notice what it says here. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Where have we seen that word tormented before? The fifth trumpet judgment where the, for five months the plagues, the locusts were free. And it says, those locusts tormented those who were on the earth. And they knew why it was happening. Because these men had called these, this judgment down on them. And the torment that came to them from those scorpions singing locusts was because of these men. And the world is rejoicing. Let me just go on and do the next four verses. And we'll call a halt. Now, after the three and a half days... The breath of of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet. Here are these guys. Their carcasses have been on the street for three and a half days. The world's been rejoicing. All of a sudden, they stand up. They're not dead anymore. They stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Well, you can imagine... And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Exactly the same expression that was used in chapter 4, verse 1 of the apostle John, who's on the Isle of Patmos. Come up here. And he's taken up to the throne room of God. Same expression. Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city, meaning Jerusalem, fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. But notice this. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. They were afraid. And gave glory to the God of heaven. We're going to encounter that expression again in chapter fourteen. When we have an angel, let me read, uh, verse chapter fourteen, verse six. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, those who are still unrepentant, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying to them, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. That's the everlasting gospel. Fear God and give him glory. What does it say back here? they will fear God and give Him glory. At the same time that there is this earthquake, they've seen the two witnesses ascend into heaven. There's an earthquake. 7,000 people are killed in, the ha- in, in Jerusalem. But the rest, they fear Him and give Him glory. They were The rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of... I'm going to suggest to you that a mighty revival breaks out in Jerusalem. Among the people that watch these two witnesses ascend into heaven, okay, that's enough evidence for me. I think I'll repent. And as we're going to see in the succeeding chapters, in chapters 12 and 13, well... 11 in the balance of 11 in chapter 12. What are they going to do? They're going to do what Jesus tells them to do in Matthew 24. They're going to beat feet. They're going to get out of Jerusalem. They're going to head east. And for three, and there's a place of refuge to the east where God will pr- pr- protect them and provide for them for the next three and a half years. But these people who repent, who are in Jerusalem, are going to head east really fast. And, get and make it to that place of divine protection and provision. But that's for uh, us to come deal with in Sunday nights to come. Any comments or questions? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. What we are reading here is what you are going to do. You are going to initiate your eternal reign. And you've shown us the process. You're going to walk the human race through to bring that to pass. And we look forward to that day with great joy and rejoicing. We have the right to rejoice in it now. And we do. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our trespasses as we forgive our debtors, those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.